Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch, here it is. Long, fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atlanta Braves yeah. giving you a championship. 25 lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. High five ball. Back to right center. And the Braves have now get ready this is the platinum sombrero podcast with your host dylan short and adam doc herbert Welcome, sports fans, to another episode of the Platinum Sombrero, episode 152, to be exact. This episode is brought to you by Green Room, formerly Locker Room. Uh, Green Room is the coolest, newest fad approaching the whole idea of being involved in sports talk. It is an app that you can download from iOS devices, Androids, Apples, all that good technological jargon. Basically, download the app. You can join in to hear Fans just like you, or myself on Thursday nights at 9 p.m., or anybody else covering your favorite teams, your favorite sports, breaking news, game threads, blah, 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 a whole bunch of stuff. Basically, long, version, short. It's a way to feel like you are involved in your favorite shows and your favorite sports teams and to meet new fans and have fun discussions all over the world. Download it. It's free. It's a lot of fun. You'll make a little Twitter. You'll make a link or whatever. Link it up to your Twitter. Just like you see mine, you'll see the TPS page. You'll see it every time we go live, Thursdays at 9 p.m. You'll see a little link. Jump on in. We'll talk Braves. We'll talk whatever you really fancy, whatever. Sometimes we get a little bit weird, but that's okay. Go download the Green Room app and see what it is for yourself today. Okay, so I don't want to lie to you, and Doc is not going to lie to you either. Um, The overall part of this show is obviously we have to talk about the gigantic planet-sized elephant in the room, and that is that Ronald Acuna Jr. is done for the 2021 season after a horrific play, honestly. Um, A play that honestly came about probably more because it was Ronald Acuna attempting that play. There's not many other people that could have even tried to attempt the play that Ronald Acuna attempted, and it cost him, and it's going to be a big blow to the Braves. But I'm going to get this out of the way now. I do not think that that means that the 2021 season is over. I do not believe the book is closed. Hopefully, Doc agrees with me, and we're going to get to that point. But, Doc, we got to talk about Ronald Acuna first before we can kind of try to move on to some happier news. No, I think that's uh, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I I don't know about you. I was I was watching the game when it happened, and uh, you know, he he's so athletic and he's so agile. I, I thought he was going to make the play, and you know, right after he dove for it, and they and he didn't get it, they cut back to. 
Jazz, who was streaking around the bases, and then they cut back to Ronald, and he's just laying there by the wall, and the ball keeps rolling. And at that point, you know, it, you've almost been waiting for it this whole year. It's like he he's dodged injury so many times. You know, or like he he had the thing with his abdomen, and then he got hit in the wrist, and then there's a there's a million different little things that happen, and he's dodged the bullet on all of them. And for the overall luck of this team, you know, it kind of only seemed like a matter of time. And then it's like, okay, 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 okay. Then we go into damage control mode. They they got him up. He's walking. He's going to walk off the field, and you never know. In my mind, I'm thinking, if he walks off the field, everything's cool. It's a deep bruise. He's going to go on the aisle, and he's going to be back soon. And then as soon as he sat down and called for the cart, I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. This well, is not good. In my mind, in my mind, I was like, okay, that looks bad. But you know what? The 2018 in Boston, it looked just as bad. I was sure he blew his knee out then, so he's Superman. He'll be fine. Yeah. And for everybody that was banging on the Braves training staff, by the way, um, for having him up and walking – you shouldn't because I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but when you jack up an ACL, when you tear your ACL, walking straight doesn't affect your ACL. Your ACL has to do with your lateral movement. So that's why like, if you watch a lot of NFL football, you'll see a lot of guys when they, when they tear their ACL. Some, there's actually been guys that didn't even realize that they tore their ACL until after the game. There's people that have kept playing, and there's people that don't realize that anything is wrong until they try to move sideways and all of a sudden their leg won't work. Uh, so he wasn't going to do any more damage to it walking straight. Uh, it, it's really the side-to-side -side that gets it. Whenever you try to, to, to move laterally, that's when it happens. So uh, the, the Braves training staff tends to be very, very good. I know there's an issue with misdiagnosing or the way that they represent it to the media, but that's not the training staff. Uh, so don't want to see people attacking the training staff over that. They, they did their job just fine. There was nothing else he was going to do to it. Um, but that's a devastating loss. That's as devastating a loss to any as a team to a team that any other team in baseball could possibly have. Like that would be like Juan Soto going down for Washington, or Mike Trout, or Shohei Otani going down for the Angels, or Vlad going down for Toronto. And actually, probably worse than that because Toronto has a bunch of of really talented super players, and they have other people that can step up. The Braves do too, which is why I'm not all in on the fact that this is over. I still think that there's enough talent. One of the other issues, though, is this isn't going to just hinge on replacing Ronald. It did come out after that horrible start by Ian Anderson that he's having to get an MRI on his shoulder. And Brian Snicker did not sound too hopeful that he was going to avoid an IL stint. Hopefully it would just be a 10-day, get him some extra rest coming out of the break. But this is that would be, I don't want to say the nail in the coffin, but at that point, the fat lady would be warming up her vocal cords. Yeah, yeah, I mean... Nobody has gone unaffected by this season. You know, you saw Freddie, you know, he's hitting great now, but he was slumping horribly for a month. Ozzy started the season like one for 19, and, but he's hitting now. Dansby has struggled. Riley just completely forgot how to hit for power. Then we know about a million different injuries. It seemed like, you know, Ronald was like the one, the one holdout. And, you know, then you transition to the pitching staff and, uh, just Max, Waskar, Tucker, Tukey, you name it. They've all been hurt, and it's like, well, at least we got Ian Anderson. Well, no, we kind of we, – we may not. It, everything could, could wind up being fine there. But when you're to the point where you're just beaten down, we still somehow, 89 games into the season, we're one of like three teams that haven't been over 500. Um, 
if something is wrong with Ian Anderson, like, look, you can't replace Ronald Acuna, right? But you can work around it for how talented, you're going on talent, you're not going on results for the rest of the lineup. And you see what the pitching has turned into. You can make some moves. It, I would never say that it's like beneficial that Acuna is out because that's ridiculous. But if you can kind of divide and conquer, you know, if you can find somebody to quote unquote like replace the power part of Ronald's game, and then you get somebody else to replace the speed part of Ronald's game, then it's division for the point of conquering, right? And you're lengthening the lineup, and now you've got two guys plus Freddie, Ozzie, Austin, maybe Dansby, maybe Heredia, who still somehow is, is hitting hitting well throughout this entire thing, and Darno's coming back later, and we'll see about his thumb, but doing something like that gives you reason to be somewhat optimistic. But if Ian's hurt, then, then that's just one more, that's just one more thing you have to one more roster spot you have to fill. So now you need a starter, an outfielder, a closer. Uh, you, you just, at a certain point, you really do, even for as bad as the optics would be, you got to take a long, hard look at yourself and go, listen, we're still in it. That- we're still in it, but even if we push all of our chips in, is that going to be enough? It's not like Ronald's coming back at the end of September for the playoff run, you know? And that's, I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm with you on that, but I do want to point out, because, you know, this whole season basically has been one half of the fan base saying, all right, go ahead and punt 2021, sell off everything that isn't nailed down, and try to come back for 2022. The other half has been saying, no, you, you can never be guaranteed of playoff chances. Just look at the 2015 Mets, and if you have a chance at a postseason, take it, and so on and so forth. I'm still on the, I'm still on the don't take don't, – I don't believe in windows. Windows are myths to me. Um, case in point, that Mets team, that if you would ask them in 2015 – Guarantee you every single one of them, like, all right, we'll be back again a number of times. The Braves in the 90s, hey, no worries. Hey, we lost this one. Hey, we lost this one. No worries. We'll be back again. And then eventually you're not back again or something changes uh, or somebody else gets really good or, or just the winds of fortune blow a different way because in baseball there's so many variables. You can't take anything for granted. The, the part about this that I think gets lost in this shuffle when we're talking about Ronald, one, the team was playing much better. And it's not like they were playing great. They went 14-12 and 12 over that big 26-game stretch we were talking about. But for the most part, they played very well. And it doesn't make you feel better to be like, yeah, well, they could have won 17 of those instead of 14 because they didn't. But they could have. They were in position to. Your bullpen lets you down, which has kind of been a consistent theme this season, unfortunately. But the offense and the starting pitching had you in most of those games enough to where you thought that, that this, this could have been a much different record. More than that, the Braves are up over 500 at home, and they're actually the best team in the division away from home. That, to me, is a big key indicator for the NL East. Now, it's not like you can't win a division only being good at home, but it does make it harder to continue that trend all season. Right now, the Mets are actually really, really bad away from New York. They're good at home. They're the best team in the division at home, but they're one of the worst in the division away from home. And the Braves are right now the, the best as far as how they are away from home, and you expect their home numbers to get better as the season goes on. Narcia's been hitting the ball really well. Dancers has been hitting the ball as long as Narcia's been called up. Uh, Austin has started to heat up right before the break. When they come out of this break, the, the first two weeks out of this All-Star break will kind of tell you where this at. But the other thing that, that people kind of keep, I don't want to say ignoring, 
but minimalize a little bit, minimize a little bit. And it's understandable because Ronald is one of the supreme talents in baseball. You and I talk about him being King Griffey Jr. Um, but what, what, what a lot of people tend to be minimizing or not considering is you still have last year's MVP in Freddie Freeman. You still have the most talented second baseman in baseball in Ozzie Albies. If not the most talented, it might be two or three. But you still have two exceptional players, true star-level players in that lineup as well. You still have the offensive capabilities. The issue is you have zero margin of error now because Ronald covers up a lot of mistakes with everything that he can do. You do not have any margin of error. Everything has to work now. The offense has to get in sync. If they're not going to score the, the amount of runs that we saw them score last year, they need to consistently be able to score four or five. The starting pitching has to consistently get you through the sixth inning, through the seventh inning, and have good starts, quality starts. The bullpen has to be more consistent and stop blowing every other lead that they get. Everything else has to fall into place for the Braves to be able to still make it to the postseason. I still think it can happen. There definitely needs to be a trade, and this is where it's not just the team. The front office has to bring it. This is that point in time in Alex Anthopoulos' tenure. We talk about this all the time, and this is actually one of the questions on our show sheet right now about whether Alex has done enough to justify thinking he'll go big. But this is one of those cases where if the Braves are going to make it to the postseason and make a postseason run, he's going to have to. And you're going to have to change the makeup of the team. Because you, you don't have Ronald, you don't have that explosion at the top, that guy that can he can hit you a walk-off homer, he can go second to home on a ground out in the infield, he can go and make a stellar play, he can host somebody at the plate. You don't have that guy anymore. You have to figure out another way. You have to figure out another style that you can adopt for this season that can still get you some wins. There's a few guys that, that I have talked about on Locked on Braves today for trade targets. We'll probably get into that a little bit more next week when we have a little bit more time. But for you, Doc, this are you the same page I am where this is kind of where everybody else has to step up? This team has been relying on Ronald all season long and really for the last for the last year and a half or so to cover up other mistakes and, and other players not playing up to what they should. Ronald Acuna has been covering up for a lot of mistakes. Now it's time for everybody else to step up. I mentioned last week, it seemed kind of like there was a concerted effort to change the approach to not be so long ball oriented and to do the small things better. It really did seem like top to bottom in the lineup, more guys were trying to hit singles and move runners over than just swinging for the fences. And that is the exact type of thing you need if you're if you're going to move forward. You're absolutely right. There's no margin for error. I mean, everything's got to go right, including, you know, you got to target the exact right guy or guys to bring in to help this team. And you, you kind of have to upgrade everywhere a little bit. Um, getting Kyle Muller called up in the early part of the season was a boon. I don't know how much you're going to be able to count on, on him continuing that. Uh, without the league kind of uh, quote unquote figuring him out a little bit as he goes, as to, as tends to happen with with young pitchers, but he might still be green enough to where um, to where it takes a while for that to happen. But you still could look at upgrading the rotation um, just to compensate for Soroka. I know Anoa's coming back, and Charlie has been incredible. Drew has been a lot better. Uh, Smiley has. So of all of the places on the on the team, I think that the starting rotation is 
is probably, strangely enough, the, the most locked in at this point. You got to have a long conversation with yourself if you're Alex Anthopoulos about the bullpen. And, um, you know, there's there's too much dead weight on, on this team, I think, I think is the biggest thing. And, um, and, and that's not even necessarily a criticism of the players. You can endure having a guy like a Josh Tomlin if he's good for some of like an AJ mentor type or, you know, you, you need to have like your, your kind of leader guys and you Pablo Sandoval, even though he's got like four hits since April, he does serve a role on this team and Kevin Smith, you know, he's not playing well, but he has a role on the team just because he has, he stepped in and he's basically been like an innings eater type. He sucks. I know it. You know it. He knows it. But the thing is, when you have a team where you have Josh Tomlin, Pablo Sandoval, and Kevin Smith, and they're all on the same team, you got you can't do that. You, that's like 12% of the roster. You have to have a long conversation with yourself about these guys, and are you really benefiting the team by keeping them around? Kevin Smith and Alex Jackson are interchangeable, but Alex Jackson... Co- and actually, Alex is better, because Alex can actually catch. He can actually catch, and not to mention, he's got a lot of history with, the, with these guys, no. you know? far superior game caller he's a better framer kevin smith is that rare catcher that isn't good at anything like he's a bad defensive catcher he's a bad framer he doesn't have a great arm and he's also awful offensively right you know real nice guy though hell of a good cook um but so i'm sure he makes a mean bullpen yeah i'm sure (laughs) but so when you when you can have guys that are that are not really uh, excelling at filling their roles, but it means that everybody else has to step it up. But when you have three guys that aren't doing that, and and there are more guys, you have you've got to upgrade at least two of those guys. Josh Tomlin is a really nice story. Uh, Jesse Chavez can do that job way better for cheaper and five times more effectively. We don't need Josh Tomlin on this team. That's not a knock on him, but he's he is past his expiration date as far as I'm concerned. So if Anthopolis and Liberty is willing to realistically say, we have got to take some great strides. And it might not even take big trades. Sometimes you could just look at the, the guys in Gwinnett and say, this, this guy right here could do the exact same job that this guy is doing. Ender Ciarte is another one. It's a sunk cost. Dylan Lee, by the way. Dylan Lee and Gwinnett. We were talking before the show about guys in Gwinnett who could come up and make a difference. A guy like Dylan Lee has been really, really good in Gwinnett lefty who throws a lot of strikes at least give, give him an opportunity you know and, and as it stands you do need to add at least one big swing for the fences trade type deal I don't know who it is I don't know who that necessarily needs to be but it needs to be somebody and I, I, I will say this too for the for the team moving forward first off I didn't answer your question I'm I'm kind of in the same boat with you that I think that I don't necessarily think the season is over uh, but I, I do think that you need to have in the back of your mind that at any given time you could just turn around and sell at least some some of these guys, um, if, especially if if Ian is is in bad shape. But when you look at what just happened to Ronald and the effect it's going to have on everybody, coupled with how it seemed like they were kind of trying to change their approach anyway, this is a team that's in flux. It's always been in flux, and now. People that survive a tragedy together, and calling Ronald Acuna his injury a tragedy, is pretty insensitive to people who have been through like actual tragedies. I hate it for him. He's hurt, but he's alive, and he will be fine, right? But people who endure tragedies together often have this really strong bond, and you get like this this weird uh, 
soul synergy type thing. And when you're going through something like this, I, I have used the analogy with you, the 2019 Brewers, when Christian Yelich got hurt and everybody was counting them out because they were kind of on the fringes and then they went on a run. And if not for that play that Trent Grisham almost made in the outfield that got past him, we might be talking more about the 2019 Brewers than the 2019 Nationals. This is not insurmountable. You know, and we always say, oh, well, nobody's run away with it yet. Well, I mean, things just got a lot harder for us, but it's true. Four games out at the All-Star break, I don't care who you are, you add at that point. You know, do will I think that's a good idea in a couple of months? Maybe not, but Alex Anthopoulos hasn't missed the playoffs since 2014, I, I think. And I, I don't think that he's going to want to start now, especially in the last year. Only, only A and Freddie really know if Freddie's coming back next year, I think he is. But, I mean, those two are the ones, they have the inside information. And, you know, maybe it's one of those, like, we're going to give it one last push for Freddie before he goes off in a free agency or something. I still think they bring it back. But you never know. You never know what it's going to be. So when you're four games out, team gets hot, can make a run. But it's going to take real talk. It's going to take real, real talk from Alex Anthopoulos to himself about whether or not they need to upgrade this team. But... Right now, I will tell you, the All-Star break could not come at a better time because everybody in that locker room needs to take a break, to step away. And I think the fan base does too, man. We've been beat up for 89 games. We got our ass kicked every day for the last 100 days. And I just, I'm tired, man. All-Star games tonight, I'm not even watching. I'm not interested. <laughs> and, it's, and that's not I mean, a... I don't, particularly, I don't particularly care about All-Star games, to tell you the truth. But I will say also, is this show, again, brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. You should download the app and join us every Thursday, 9 p.m. Um, I do want to say that the I, big ups to the Home Run Derby. Because it was phenomenal. And man, I needed it. It was fun to to get back to just baseball for joy you know there's such a premium on our time the uh, with the Braves being in the window which I know windows are myths but you know it's everything counts more when you're in contention like like we thought the Braves were going to be so every every loss hits a little bit harder and it was really it was really nice to just watch guys hitting taters and Pete Alonzo I hope he does the home run derby every year until he retires and Dude, he's, he's the Derby GOAT. There, there's nobody who's been as good as he is in the Derby. It, he's just perfectly built for it, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that's his whole game. And and the guy that was throwing him, Dave Jouse, goodness, perfect. Gracious. Perfect. Absolutely elite. And I, it, you remember a couple years ago when Matt Chapman was in the Derby and his dad was throwing to him? And, like, mm-hmm. his dad couldn't throw a strike? I mean, that was... That was the single most devastating or heart-wrenching moment I've ever seen because you could tell his dad was like, oh my God, I'm blowing it for my son right now, you know? And, it's, and when you're in that type of moment, that's, that's, you know, it's huge. It's a home run derby. It's kind of got to be in the right spot. And so if you're Pete Alonso and you've got this guy who's literally throwing them in the same spot every single time, then, you know, I mean, how could you not? And with those forearms, he's like Dan Ugla and Popeye. Not only that, but there was so much good. There, like everything about last night's home run derby was cool. There was the crazy surprises of Gallo and Otani not getting out of the first yeah. round. Which you know, Gallo went on that crazy run at the end. It just wasn't quite enough. Otani hit three baseballs 117 miles an hour. He hit four baseballs 500 feet or further. 
Juan Soto. We had the first ever swing off since we've adopted the new rules of the home run derby between Otani and Juan Soto, who put up 30 and 28 homers respectively. Juan Soto hit one 521 feet. Trey Mancini, after coming back and beating stage three cancer, goes to the finals and puts up 22 bombs in the finals, 21 bombs in the final round, crushing baseballs to left, right, center. He was really the only person spraying him around the yard. Salvador Perez, by the way, let's also say this. I watched it on the StatCast broadcast. Oh, me too. And I am, I am so disappointed in them especially in the way that they just ignored Salvador Perez's round. Perez? Just, yeah, he had. Nobody yeah. spoke about him, and he had the second best round of anybody. Crushing baseballs. 480 feet here, 490 there, 501 there. Just crushing baseballs. He hit 28. Yeah, in the first round. And, and uh, Soho, er, Soho, Soto, and Otani, they they got to uh, hit 28 as well. But they they had their swing offs. Like they both capped out at they like needed three eight, rounds. To yeah, do it. I mean Perez, I mean he had the the second most in the in that first round. Just. As a catcher. As, as a catcher who completely remade his swing later in his career. And uh, it's just a shame. Yeah, and they, coming off of the the Alonzo round where he hit 35, I mean, that was, it, it was quite the display. But, I mean, the whole point is just a strong performance and everybody was basking in the afterglow and Perez didn't get his. And I didn't, th- yeah, I didn't think that they, they poured nearly enough praise on Mancini for, like you're talking about, for going to all fields. It was like watching Ronald a couple years ago when it's just mm-hmm. easy 460 oppo. And by the way, credit to Mancini's thrower. That dude was throwing nonstop. Yeah, yeah, he was. Took it really took advantage of that. Hey, don't worry about waiting until the ball comes down. Rule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did notice that he, that he was uh, rattling off a couple. They even got one in after the buzzer. Hey, I don't even care, man. All I care about is watching people. Uh, now, if I was going to say one disappointment was that Nelson Cruz wasn't in it, because I would have loved to see Nelson Cruz hitting five hundred and forty foot shots. How long has it been since he did one? Has he ever done one? It's been a long. I'm pretty. I think he's done two, but it's it's been. I'm gonna have to look this up. It has been a long time. Uh, I, he's definitely not done it. I think tw- I know he did one in 2009. Uh, da, 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 da. I think I think I think it's been since 2009. I think they just need to do it. I mean, you have to have a non-Otani division, but I would love to see home run derby among pitchers. You know, as as great as it is, like we didn't get to see Gallo hit bombs and cores like we all thought, but I think it would be fun. You take the worst hitting pitchers that there are, you get an eight Mike Fultonaviches, and you put them at the plate, and you just see what happens. Hey, they should do the home run remember, derby I in Colorado you, every I year. I told you last year. I told you last year they need a home run derby. We're like, make it a skills weekend. Uh, make it a skills day on like the all of Monday. Just be skills. Pitcher home run derby. Give me like position player pitching. Give me like who's got the who can throw the ball the hardest. Like let me get all of that. Target bunting. No, we're not doing bunting in the skills I mean, challenge. I mean, if you're gonna do bunting, the target bunting is kind of cool. But rather than target bunting, put targets at different areas of the field. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See if see if you can like. My thing is put them, like, designate zones and see if players can hit, like, targets on the field. doesn't have to be on the ground, but see if you can, like, have players hit targets. All that type of stuff would be super cool. 
I wonder if they'd ever do that. Then again, I mean, baseball is just so like the home run is just sacred. Screw bunts, hit dangers. That's the that's that's yes. the way to go. You know, nobody's bunting five twenty. Home run derby, home run derby, also easily the best part of the All Star Week. Yeah, I've I've never really been. I, I made it like a big deal. Like, oh, I'm not even interested in the All Star Game this year. I'm not interested in the All Star Game any year. Uh, but usually that's because I've been obsessing so hard over the season ever since day one that it's nice to just kind of take a step back. Take take this week to myself. I haven't seen my wife since April. She's nice. She's pretty. So, Speaking of uh, taking a step back, the, uh, the Braves also did have the Major League Baseball draft just conclude today. A lot of picks. We're not going to get super deep into the picks today because, to be quite honest, Doc and I did not do our homework the way that we normally do. We approached it a little bit differently this year, and I felt I did. To be honest with you, I've had almost no time to do anything this year on anything, so I certainly didn't have enough time to dig into draft prospects. Um, so we're really just going to talk about a couple. First of all, obviously, um, Ryan Cusick taken in the first pick. Um, another Wake Forest guy. Obviously, Alex Anthopoulos uh, and, and Dana Brown went back to schools where they are comfortable for. They stayed around the same area for most of these picks, at least on the first and second day. For Cusick, kind of reminds me of a right-handed Muller. Really, really hard thrower. Has no idea where it's going. Uh, worked at the, the Wake Forest Lab where they've got a very advanced setup for their guys. Uh, fastball up as high as 102. He says he's going to be a starter, and this is what I'll say. If he's able to, if they're able to iron out, because he's got his, his command needs a ton of work. But if they're able to iron out that command, if they saw something like, hey, we just changed this small thing here, and he becomes a starter, then that can be a really good pick. If he ends up being a reliever, it can be an effective pick, even if you feel like you wasted it on a first rounder. You you definitely go with the talent first. You know, for for college, you know, you do kind of have to to look away from the results sometimes. I mean, you scout the stuff. I remember Jim Callis one time we had him on, and he, and he said that one of the biggest insults you could give a scout is that all he did was scout the scout the results or scout the box scores, and uh, and it, it really rings true. Like you got to get out, you got to see these guys over over multiple stints multiple outings and obviously since the fact that they they drafted Schuster last year uh they were familiar with Cusick from they've they've seen him and basically everything that could be said about Jared Schuster last year could probably be repeated about Ryan Cusick for this year with a little bit more velocity um Wake Fo- and a curveball instead of a change and Wake Forest has a really really advanced uh pitching department and uh like about as advanced as you're going to find anywhere in collegiate baseball and maybe on par with some major league uh, major league squads. So last year, like when uh, Schuster, uh, his, his changeup was starting to tick up, um, you know, it's a similar thing with Cusick. So, you know, it'll, he's a guy to keep an eye on. And you obviously want your first pick to have the best possible scenario. You want any pitcher you take to be a long-term starter, to be a workhorse, to be this and that. But, you know, we are getting to the point in the Braves' um, success where, you know, picking in the top 10, top 15, those days are done for a while. Well, depending on how this this year turns out. But so you're going to see see picks that are they're imperfect guys. These are longer term projects uh, like your Cusick, like like your Schuster. You know, even for being a college guy, he's still uh, Schuster's still just in high A right now. So um, could could be a little while. Uh, I do like the pick, though, and I like the fact that they got somebody who's just out there throwing gas. They have a lot of finesse guys, I feel like. And this is somebody that can show up and just he's not you don't have to nibble as much if you can throw 102. So and I feel like I feel like every single draft that Alex has had in his tenure as the Braves has been the same. Go with guys with MLB floors early, 
and despite whether or not it's going to be as a as a starter in the pen, Cusick has an MLB floor. Um, worst case, you always let him just throw that. You turn him to just fastball, curveball, and just let him let loose for an inning. Uh, underslot guys, maybe not a ton underslot, but I would expect mostly underslot guys early. Today's draft, you saw a lot more of the high school um, type of high upside type of guys. A um, couple guys in there that you could say that were you know pretty decent upside early. Um, Justin Henry Malloy, probably my favorite of those guys overall. But I, I, I it almost gets it, it almost gets to be where it gets a little crazy, where you can't really judge these drafts until you're probably two to four years down the line. So there's no point getting super angry about it or even super excited about it until you kind of see what happens. This is just the first step. I, I will say I would have gone with Ty Madden. Maybe they thought that he would be more expensive and kind of ruin their plan for later on. But with Ty, I did not expect Ty Madden to be on the board at the same time as Ryan Cusick. I probably would have gone Ty Madden because I think he's a little bit better at all the same stuff that Cusick does. He doesn't have 102, but he's got 99 to 100, which isn't much different. Uh, but overall, we'll see what happens. You know, and with with Madden, he's got, he's got a lot of reliever risk uh, as well. It's very similar to uh, to Cusick. And uh, you make a really, really good point about the fact that they probably would have screwed up their plans later. The fact that Cusick flew out to Colorado tells me that he might have already known that he had a deal worked out. So I think that even with the fact that Madden got there, um, the Braves were like, well, we got a plan in motion and, you know, we're, we're not backing down from it now. I mean, they, like you said, they have a formula that they stick to. Uh, they will go under slot in earlier rounds. It used it used to be that you would save your save your money in rounds six through ten with the senior signs, but now it's like, well, we can save a lot more money if you know the slots are much bigger in the earlier rounds. So that's when you get picks like Bo Phillip, Dylan Dodd, who these are serviceable guys, but they're they're also either seniors or not necessarily. The Dodd was a senior, and Phillip wasn't really in a position to bargain in the same way. So if you push the money down, you start seeing later rounds like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with Spencer Schwellenbach with his slot, but, you know, he's a really interesting guy. I like the uh, A.J. Uh, Smith or Smith Shaver pick. Uh, I like the Tyler Collins pick. And I like the Adam Shoemaker pick, too. There, there are some really interesting guys that, that they gambled on today. And based on the way that they push that money around, they should be able to sign. Uh, I saw... Um, a quote from Dana Brown where he thinks they're going to be able to sign 19 out of 20 of those guys. And, uh, wonder, I wonder who the, uh, I wonder who the one they they don't think they're going to sign. I know. I know. I was kind of wondering the same thing, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought about this a couple days ago. Like it's still too soon to even judge the, the Kyle Wright draft, the Kyle Wright pick you could probably judge, but that draft as a whole, um, it's, it's still probably too soon because Drew Waters hasn't even made the majors yet, and Freddie Tarnock is still in high A. You know, he was going to be—he was one of the big project guys. If this turns around, Waters becomes a star, and I mean, there's still high projections on him. He just hasn't made it to the majors yet. But if Tarnock becomes a star, or he becomes something major, and you get somebody like Troy Bacon, who's the fourth round pick in that, if you get service out of that, then I mean, I mean that's that's a pretty solid draft, even even with Kyle Wright not being anything. So um, if it's too soon to judge the 2017 draft, it is I wonder, it's too soon I to judge this one they, too. I want, my favorite pick is actually the last pick that they made, the 20th rounder. Uh, I'm betting that's who they aren't certain they'll sign. Ty Evans, uh, outfielder from Florida, committed to Florida, I believe, as well. Um, he's, got, he's a very, very well-rounded player. Um, he's, probably, he's, he's definitely, in my opinion, he's the 
He's the most talented player that the Braves selected, although uh, according to Bowman's article, uh, Tyler Collins, there's already some people. Uh, actually, according to Bowman's article, Brave scout Joe Jordan is comparing him to Kenny Lofton, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. certainly high praise. Goodness gracious. Um, and shout out to uh, Perry Manasian and the Angels. For, we heard you when you said we needed <laughs> right? pitching. Drafted 20 pitchers, uh, including including the cousin of Doc Herbert's best friend, Nick Jones. Yeah, my uh, my buddy Matthew Olm, who I've mentioned on the show many times, his cousin Nick Jones got drafted by the Angels in the eighth round. So, um, I, six degrees of a major leaguer. I guess I'll see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> hey, I mean, if we can get him as soon as he meets Mike Trout, we've got a built-in way to get Trout or Otani on the show, and then our legend will lift Yeah, that's, that's right. So, um a lot of stuff going on right now with the uh, with the team. I hope they're able to get get all these draft picks signed. It's it is weird having the draft and the um, the time where they'd be prepping for the trade deadline kind of overlapping. So um, a lot of people have been really mad at Alex Anthopoulos over the past year or so. Um, be kind to him over the next two weeks because he's probably not going to sleep a lot. And I just want to say one more thing. Even for all of the um, people that were screaming at AA for not doing enough and Liberty not doing enough, even if they had done more, even if they had signed Kirby Yates, or even if Yates had passed his physical and was able to follow through with the signing, even if Trevor uh, Rosenthal, uh, sim- similar type thing, even if the Braves had got those guys, or even if they'd got another big bat or done this or done that, extended Freddie, what have you, um, Acuna still would have gotten injured and we'd still be sitting here going, well, just damn it, what do we do now? So, um, just... Keep that in mind moving forward. Sometimes sometimes the universe rears its head in an ugly way, regardless of what's going on. So just keep that in mind. It's not how you respond when things go well. It's how you respond when things go horribly that determine who you are. As That's true for an individual person. It's true for a team sport as well. So we'll see what the Braves are made of coming up out of the All-Star break. But until then, everybody enjoy a few days of respite. Uh, recharge batteries. Hopefully, the Braves come out on fire. We'll see how we'll see how it comes out because there's no easy slate the second half of the season. It's going to get underway pretty hard, pretty heavy, pretty early. So we'll see when we reconvene next week how everything's going as we get prepped and ready. We'll have our trade some more of the trade targets that we think would make a lot of sense for this team, and a lot of it is going to depend on how the Braves come out of the All Star break. But we'll see how it goes. For now, we're going to go ahead and end today's episode. So thank you everybody for tuning in to yet another episode of the Platinum Sombrero. Get thanks, bye.